I'm going to jump in here. If you have a Bible, we'll look here in just a few minutes in Zechariah. I'm going to give you a few minutes to find Zechariah. In our chapter 4, we'll look there in a few minutes. And, uh, but Zechariah, you might have to go to the table of content to find Zechariah in the Old Testament. But I don't know about you, but there's something about this time of the year that I really love about it because I always have this real sense of, of hope, optimism, um, faith, as we get ready to start a brand new year. There's always the sense that in the new year, that this is the year that we can make some changes. And so maybe some of you, you like to get in better shape, lose some weight, maybe eat better. Maybe some of you like to be more spiritually focused this year. Maybe you want to spend more time with your family, with your, with your kids. Maybe some of, you, some of you want to get better with your money. Or maybe you need to quit that annoying habit that you just can't seem to shake off. And this is the year you're going to do it. And I, I don't know what it might be for you, but I pray that God will give you the power to achieve those goals. Because there's something about starting a new year that brings hope. I don't know why it is. I guess maybe psychologically you think this way, but we can change it any time, you know. But nobody ever thinks the week before Thanksgiving, you know, this is a good time to start a new diet. Nobody does that, okay? Nobody thinks, you know, but we could if we wanted to, all right? And we can do change any time. But there's something about a new year that we can start something and get things going. And, uh, and there's some of you right here, you know, you're intimidated by this. You know, you, you see all the big changes you want to make, and, 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 and you're just intimidated by the, by the goal, by the end result. You're overwhelmed what you want to do. You know, you've got those big things. And I want to bring good news to you today. And if you ever feel that way, you feel overwhelmed, intimidated by making goals and setting stuff out there, I, I want to bring you good news. Because I really believe that not often the big, the big changes that we need to make. And if you're taking note, this is, this is the key note here. This is the key thoughts. It's not the big things that you need to make. It's oftentimes the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everybody wants. And I can tell you that today, and I believe this with all my heart, you can have a very different year in 2019. And chances are, it's not the big thing that we think that needs to be done, but it's often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everybody wants. And so we're going to talk about these small things, the small things. And I want to look at Zechariah in just a minute here, but I want to give you a foundation of what Zechariah is all about. You know, Zechariah was written during the time of Israel where they were at the lowest of lows. This was the worst time in the history of Israel. Babylon had come in. They had destroyed the city. They had ransacked the temple. The temple torn down the beautiful temple that King Solomon built. I mean, this was the, this was the monument. This was the, this was the grandest the tallest building in Jerusalem, and it was torn down. The walls of Jerusalem was in total disrepair. 
People were at an all-time low. And around 537 B.C., about 30 years after the fall of Babylon, there was a man that was, uh, some people started coming back from captivity, from Babylon, uh, which was a thousand miles away. And there was a man named Zerubbabel. Uh, Zerubbabel, we'll see his name here in a few minutes. And he was kind of like, a, um, perhaps like a governor, appointed governor, or appointed mayor of the, of, the, of the group of people. And uh, he was going to lead the church, lead people back to Jerusalem, and then they were charged to rebuild the temple. Now, the temple wasn't going to be rebuilt like it used to be. You know, Solomon had all the money. You know, that was at the time when they were rich. Uh, right now, Jerusalem poor. The economy's bad. But they're going to rebuild as best as they can the temple of God. And God spoke to Zerubbabel, you know, and he said this, I'm going to give you the power to rebuild the temple. And so I want to look at verse number 6 in Zechariah chapter 4. Hopefully you found it by now. If you can't find it, got it on the screen or down your handout note. Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, nor by strength. In other words, the temple is not going to be built by your power, by your strength. It's not going to be built in a way that you get credit for, but it's going to, by my spirit, it's going to get done by his spirit, by his power. And here's the thing. You can have the power to change. You can try in your own power to make those changes. And in fact, you could probably, on your own, make some changes. You can make some incremental improvement in your life. But if you're tapping to a power that is greater than what you possess, than what I possess, if you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, His Spirit will be made perfect in your weakness. Not by our effort, not by our might, not by our power, but by His Spirit. He can change. He can transform your life. Now, when I was in uh, Florida, and, and I lived in my very first house, and this house was just built in, in, the, in the 1950s with a cinder block home, my first little home, and um, in the old part of Pensacola, not far from the Navy base. And, and in fact, this was, this was uh, one of the new neighborhoods back in the 1950s for all the Navy airmen and uh, Navy guys and you know, Marines that live, in that, at, that live at that Air Force base or at the Navy base. And, um, but here was this old home, and, um, and, I, and I got a, a great deal on it. Not, you know, first home, and, and um, all the stuff was old. Everything was in there. That would, you know, when it was there when the house was built in the 1950s, 1960s. The stove, everything, you know, the countertop, you know. And, if the, and I was a bachelor guy, I had a roommate, and this was fine. This was perfect. We didn't care. We didn't care for that nice stuff. You know, this was just for us guys. And, um, and I, I remember, though, uh, with the house, 
that it had some issues with it, things that need to be fixed. And if you know me, uh, if you know who I am, I, I don't fix anything at the house. I'm not good at it. I, I barely can fix a sandwich, okay? I'm barely. I, and so uh, fixing is not my deal. I mean, I have, the, I have the stuff, okay? I've got the power tools. You know, I've got the screwdrivers. I got all the stuff. I just, you know, I, I, I'm not good at it, okay? And so, um, and I remember the stove one night. I was cooking something, and the coil in the old, in this old stove started flaming up. I, my oven's on fire. And uh, it's kind of following that coil, going around, burning off the element, the burning element, the heating element that was in that stove. And, and I'm freaking out, and... And I, and I made a phone call. Now, naturally, you probably should call 911 if your house is on fire, but I didn't do that. I called a guy named Harvey. Now, Harvey passed away a couple of years ago, but he was a great man. Uh, Harvey was a redneck. Uh, he was a true blue, hardcore redneck. He's the guy that sold me the house. He was a realtor who was also my mechanic. Uh, you can do that in the South, okay? You can be a mechanic, and you can sell houses in the same day. All right, this was my guy. All right, he was also my go-to guy when something was, was falling apart. And, and, uh, and so I called Harvey and said, Harvey, hey, man, my oven's on fire. What did I do? And he said, you know, in his old redneck voice, he said, Scott, you hang up and you call 911. <laughs> I said, oh, come on, it's not that bad, Harvey. Why don't you come on over? So Harvey came on over. You know, it's not too far from me. He comes over and he takes care of it. He knows what he's doing. All right? I just needed a little redneck Harvey power to take care of me, right? And, and, and so that's, that's how I rolled in Florida. Well, you know what? You can try your best all day long to make your changes, to fit your own life. But when you tap into something that's greater than you, for me, with, you know, in this situation, you know, redneck Harvey, but I'm talking about something that's even greater than redneck Harvey. I'm talking about tapping into the Spirit of God. There is a strength beyond what you can muster up on your own. And some of you tried for years to change something, to improve on something. And you always fail. And I pray that 2019 will be the year that it will not be by your might, not by your power, not by your effort, but by the Spirit of God, says the Lord. God says, I'm going to give you my power to rebuild this temple, Zerubbabel. I'm going to give you the power. Now look at verse number 7. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. I mean, this is the, this is the word of God. In other words, when God calls someone to do something, there is not a force on earth that can stop the power and the will of God through a person. And then, verse number seven, when Zerubbabel set the final stone of the temple in place, here's what's going to happen. The people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Now, I love the fact that before the construction starts, before the temple work began, God, he already sees the end. 
before you even attempt to do what God wants you to do, God knows what the results can be if you will surrender to the power of his spirit. Look at verse number eight. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. This massive construction project that's about to happen seems so impossible. But God says, look, I'm going to help you get it done. And after it's all finished, you're going to look at it and you can say, wow, that was all God. That was all him. That was all the glory belonged to him. And sometimes we see something in our lives that just looks so impossible that you don't even know why you try. You know, you go on the gym. You know, you go to the gym, you're on the treadmill, and you're thinking, man, I've got to lose all this weight, and I've only lost one pound. You know, there's no way I'm going to get anywhere with this. I try so hard, and just can't make it. You go three days, and I, I gain a pound instead of losing a pound. And you, you, you get, you, we often get embarrassed by the small beginning. We give up. We throw in the towel. Now, remember when we first started the church back in 2009, and uh, we just moved up here from Florida, and I was just up here for a few months, and we were about to launch our very first preview service in October of 2009. And, and my thought was, you know what, maybe before of a first preview service, I would do a vision night. Right? I read this in a book somewhere that you should have a vision night. All right? You know, invite people in the community, invite people you know. And, uh, and so I thought, man, this is going to be the, I, I'm going to be the, we're going to have the best vision night of all time of all church plants everywhere in America. I, I mean, I, I'm going to pull all the stops. And, and so we, we didn't have a, a, a deep pocket, you know, in our, in our account, but we thought we're going to go to Dave and Buster's. I mean, we're going to have a party. We're going to book a room. We're going to give everyone that comes tokens to play video games or whatever, you know. And, and I, I thought this would be, we're going to have food. I'm going to have a PowerPoint presentation. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. And we went ahead and reserved. 60 meals at Dave and Buster's. 60 meals. And it was not cheap. Uh, for us, this was, this, was, this was, oh man, you know, this is going to cost us seven, dollars $800, but it's going to be worth it. We're casting vision. It's going to be great. And then I sent out the invitation. I said, oh man, these people are going to show up. It's going to be awesome. I mean, who would say no to free food, right? I mean, that's the way I think. I mean, in the South, you know, people love free food. They just show up. You know, you throw a potluck out there, the neighborhood shows up. Up here, you know, potluck's not a thing up here. So anyway, um, I thought, yeah, I'll do free food. It can, be, it can be, you know, awesome. And my parents showed up, and they had, they had no choice. <laughs> had to be there. They had to be there. My, my brother, my two brothers, they showed up, and their family, 
they didn't have a choice. I had to twist their arms a little bit, but they didn't have a choice. I had a real good friend from high school. He showed up. And then there was a couple from a church that wasn't going to come to our church, but they just wanted to come and just, you know, be supportive of the vision night. And they heard it was free food. I think they were from the South. I think they were from the South. That was it. Nobody else showed up. You know, you had me and my wife. You had, uh, by the way, we had, our, we had two people that had moved up here from Florida. They were there because they were part of our team. But I found new people in the community. That was it. That was it. And I remember, you know, I, I had my Jesus smile on. You know, it's all cool. But inside, I was like, man, this is pathetic. You know, there was time to pay the bill. I was like, man, this is, this is painful. Now, I, I remember going home and, uh, and just crawling in my bed, you know, curling like a little baby. And I'm like, what have we done? We're going to start a church. Nobody cares. And I just had a vision night at Dave and Buster's and... I lost money on the deal. You know, I, I got all these leftovers at the house that I don't want them to eat now. And I was thinking, man, we're going to start a church. We're having our very first preview service the next month. And I started doubting this whole late point idea. I said, we, we, have, we, are, we are in for a bad idea here. I thought, man, this is terrible. And now I look back and I see what God had took us and how he had brought us along and how far God had taken us here. And I look back at those small beginnings and what God did out of that very small beginnings. Look at verse 10. I hope this verse encouraged some of you this morning. Verse number 10. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. God rejoices to see you faithful in the small things. And now one of the challenges is so often we look at people and we see the highlight reel. We, we, we see it on social media. We see the highlight reels and we get so intimidated by it. We read about great characters in the Bible, we see their highlight reel. Look at David. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. He took down Goliath. And some of you are thinking, man, that little guy, David, took down Goliath. I don't even know how to take down my own Goliath. I don't even know how to take down my own giant. And oftentimes we forget that David was faithful for years in the fields. And whenever a wild animal would come, he would run him off or kill that wild animal. It was those small beginnings in the valleys that he became, while he was a shepherd, that God was molding him to be the man that he wanted him to be, small beginnings. We look at Daniel in the Bible. When we think of Daniel, it's all, man, he got such great faith. I mean, he's standing in the lion's den, and the mouths of the lions are shut they can't open, they can't, eat, they can't eat Daniel. Man, his faith was unwavering. I want faith like Daniel. 
And we often forget that three times a day, Daniel, he prayed. Prayed in a small beginning when no one was looking. The small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everybody wants. He prayed and sought the Lord in prayer. John Wooden. John Wooden is one of the greatest basketball college coach, college basketball coach of all time. UCLA coach out in California. He coached and won 10 NCAA titles. Seven titles from 1967 to 1973 won seven titles in a row. That's impressive. That's a dynasty. Now, when we look at John Wooden, we see the big changes, the big things that everybody wants. We often don't see the small things. You know what the first practice of, that John Wooden would do every year for his basketball team? The first practice would not consist of layup drills. It would not consist of dribbling or line sprints. I hate line sprints, but it would, had nothing to do with line sprints. He, he would... He wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't even pull out a basketball. The very first practice of every season in his college basketball career, John Wooden would sit all the players down, make them take off their shoes, make them take off their socks, and then he would teach them how to put on a sock correctly so that they can avoid blisters on their feet. He would teach them how to properly tie a shoe so that they could be more effective in a game than to have feet that are blistered up and they can't run and jump. And that's how they would start every season of basketball. How to put on a shoe. It was that small thing, the detail. He made a very important part, uh, point that we're a team that cares about the little things, about the details, because details matter. In fact, there's a quote on your handout. John Wooden said this, it's the little things that are vital. Little things make the big things happen. I love that. The little things that make big things happen. It's so often the small things that no one sees that results in the big things that everyone wants. When you focus on one thing, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you focus on a few things, on one thing. In fact, in the Bible, there's a phrase, you see it several times. It's a phrase, this one thing. This one thing. And I did a study on this. It's a pretty common phrase in the Bible. I want to look at a couple of these. David had a one thing. David in the Old Testament, we already talked about this. He was a man after God's own heart. But you know what he wanted? He wanted above anything else. You can read it in the Old Testament. You can read it in the Psalms. He said, he said the one thing I want, the one thing that I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I desire to be in the presence of God at all times. And that was his one thing. He desired to be in God's presence. 
I mean, think about this. Guess what you could be if that was your desire, if that was your one thing, to be in the presence of God at all times. And if that was the case, perhaps you could be a man or a woman after God's own heart. There's power and focus. One thing, the Apostle Paul, some will argue one of the greatest Christians, one of the greatest evangelists, one of the greatest apostles of all time. And if you remember Paul, he had a really hard past. You know, before he was a Christian, when he was a non-Christian, he was, he was ruthless, all right, murder Christians. And then when he became a Christian, you know, his life didn't get easier. You know, he was beat up. He, he was uh, persecuted. He was um, snake-bitten, left for dead, shipwrecked, hungry. He was stoned many times. I'm not talking about recreationally speaking here. I'm talking about, you know, he was stoned by a rock. We're talking about a guy that endured, endured many massive pain, trials. And you know what he said? He said, instead of saying, oh, man, I'm going to think about my past. It's been so hard. It's been so difficult. Man, the people have been mean to me. Mean. I've been persecuted. He didn't do that. This is what he said. He said in Philippians chapter 3, this one thing I do, I keep pressing forward. I keep pressing ahead. I forget what's behind. And I move forward. I move ahead. I'm not going to let my past define my future. God has something more for me. So this one thing I do, I let go. Maybe he had a one word. His one word would push. I'm pushing ahead. Push. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, we talked about her, Mary and Martha, a few months ago. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus visited her home. And Mary was enjoying the presence of God. And Martha, remember Martha? She was busy. Too busy. You know, just making sure that, uh, that everything is coming together. She got a little dressed out. Oh, man, the tea is a little lukewarm. The plate don't match. I mean, she, 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 you know, she was a nervous wreck. And then she got frustrated that Mary wasn't doing anything around the house, that Mary was just sitting there at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus had to stop Martha. And said, Martha, you're upset about so many things. But only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it would not be taken away from her. And so here Jesus is challenging Martha to change her focus. Now, if we think about this one word, this one thing, Jesus said, Martha, your one word, your one focus is the wrong word. Your one word is busy. Or your dress. That's not a one word to live for 2019, people. But Mary, her one word would be perhaps margin. Or, or the grow. I want to grow in the presence of God. I want to focus on my one thing. And I can't please everybody, but I know I can just please God. Mary and Martha. Jesus encountered a very wealthy, successful man, businessman. 
This guy wanted to be on the team. He wanted to follow Jesus. He said, Jesus, hey, I want to be on the team. What do I need to do to be on the team to follow you? And Jesus said this, man, you lack one thing, only one thing. You get this one thing right, and you can help change the world. You lack one thing, and here it is. Go sell your possession. Give all the stuff away. Don't let it weigh you down. And when you do that, come follow me. Uh, if you know the story, the, the young man left Jesus sad because he couldn't let go of the one thing. He let that one thing, that, that greed. You know, he, he allowed his possessions to possess him. And so he couldn't let go of it. And what his life could have been if he could have let go and changed his focus to perhaps generosity. And say, hey, I want to be open-handed. Whatever the one word, his one thing, he would have been able to change the world. He would have been a difference maker. He would have done things for God. But he held himself back because he wasn't willing to let go of the one thing that was holding him back. To do the one thing that would push him ahead. It's often the small thing that no one sees that results in the big thing that everyone wants. So here's your assignment. Here's what I want to do for you. And here's what I want to challenge you this week. As we get ready to step into the new year, your assignment, your challenge is very simple, very focused, and it's very doable. I'm going to challenge you to get as focused as you can and not give me a, a new year resolution. That's not what I'm looking for. And I'm looking for a one idea, not three ideas, because if you give me three ideas, you'll, get, you'll do none of it. Do one thing, and I want you to seek God for one specific word that will define and direct your year to come. One word. And then I want you to find a verse, and I want you to put that verse to it. Because there's not going to be done, that one word is not going to be done by your might, it's not going to be done by your power, but it's going to be done by your spirit. So you need a verse to go with your word. And I promise you, you will not believe the difference your next year will be when you focus on a one God-breathed word, a God-inspired word word. And that's why I'm not asking for it today. That's why I want you to take time this week to pray and to seek God and say, God, what is that one word focus for 2019? I'm going to give you my word because I've been praying about this, asking God for actually this whole month. And my one word verse is at, it's the word boldness. The word boldness. And my one word verse is Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Let me give you the context of the verse real quick. They, this is a prayer prayed by the, the, the early church fathers, the apostles. They had just got out of prison. They had just been beaten up by the city council for preaching boldly the word of God. They just got out of prison and this is their prayer. Oh, Lord, we hear their threats 
Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Uh, what is crazy for me to think about this is it, because it was boldness that got them beat up and thrown in prison in the first place. And yet, they came out and said, we want to be bolder. We want to be bolder. I've always been praying about this for me. I want to be bolder in my faith. For 2019, I want to be bolder. I want to be more intentional, being bolder in the way that I share the gospel with people. One-on-one during the week. I want to be bolder in my walk. I want to be bolder in my preaching. I want to be bolder. I want to be bolder in my leadership. By the way, being bold does not mean being arrogant. Okay? I don't want to be arrogant. Okay? But I will be bold, boldly walking in the steps of God. That's my one word, and that's my prayer. God, I hear the threat. God, I hear what they might think about me, but I don't care. I want to be bold. Give me more boldness. That's my prayer. That's my verse. I'm carrying my wife. She... She does a one word every year. She started doing this about four years ago. And, um, and she is today in the back playing with the kids in the elementary, leading them and having a fun time with the kids. And uh, I asked her if she could share her one word for uh, her past few years to help you get some ideas on her focus. And then she could share with you her one year for 2019. Can you play her video? Choosing a one word for the year has really um, changed my spiritual journey the last few years. Um, in 2017, so, so going into the year 2017, um, I chose the word surrender, which I don't know if I chose a word or if the word chose me, uh, but the Lord used that word to really draw me closer to Him, taught me um, how to daily surrender my life to Him, to give them my control um, over my plans, over what my day might look like, controlling situations. And he just took me on this beautiful journey of surrender. And through that, um, the Lord really started waking me up, I guess kind of out of a spiritual sleep or um, just took me from doing, going through the motions to really seeking after him more um, on this journey of surrender. And then this past year, 2018, the Lord gave me the word freedom. And freedom just goes hand in hand with surrender. As we surrender control or as I have surrendered certain things in my life to the Lord, he has given me freedom from those things and freedom to walk um, and the calling that he has given me and to help lead others into their journey of freedom. And that's one quote that um, the Lord gave me through this, this year of freedom is um, that you can't help set others free until he has set you free from things. And so through the journey of surrender, he has showed me freedom. And then through freedom, he has now given me ways to minister to other people that I would never have been able to minister to had he not set me free from certain things in my life. And so now looking into the year 2019, um, the Lord has given me a new word for this year and um, something that I'm super excited about. And my word for next year is confidence. And that's not confidence in myself and in what I can do, um, but confidence in Christ and what he um, is calling me to do um, for that, for, 
for whatever it is that he wants me to do. I know that I can have confidence because he has um, walked alongside me in that calling. And so the verse that I have is um, Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. And um, so as you're looking to find your one word, let me just encourage you to ask God. Like, don't just um, try to do this on your own. Really go to him in prayer and seek him and ask him to show you or reveal to you a word um, that he would like to grow you in. And then be intentional with that word. Um, look up verses for your word, um, books or Bible studies. Do things throughout the year that you're going to continue to come back to that word and let the Lord really grow you um, in this word grow you closer to him, but then also to be able to walk in whatever it is that he's um, wanting to teach you for the year. So just um, have fun with it, um, seek God for direction, and then be intentional with your word this year. I'm going to ask you this week to pray about what your one word is. You know, first, pray, seek God, take your word, whatever that word is. might be the word faith, might be the word believe, might be the word focus. It might be the word healing, discernment. It might be the word generosity, serving, whatever it might be. And not just a, a little list. There might be some others that you're thinking about. You take your word, and then you can Google it. Let's say your word is serving. Google serving in the Bible, and you'll get a list of verses. And start looking for the verse that really speaks to your heart to see how God is speaking in your life for 2019. Then I'm going to challenge you to share it. Share, first of all, share it with your, with, your, with your wife or the husband. Share it with a good friend. Share it with people that are close to you, accountability partners. Share it with them and say, hey, will you pray for me? And then accountability partners, keep up with that person throughout the year. Say, hey, how are you doing with, you know, confidence? If your accountability partner with Karen, ask her, or lean on her and say, hey, how are we doing with confidence this year? Or how are we doing in confidence this month? You know, you do that with me. And say, hey, God, how are you doing with boldness? How are you doing with that one word? Challenge each other. You know, put it on Facebook and put a hashtag, late point one word. Put your word, hashtag, late point one word. Share your one word, share your verse, maybe a why on what it means, and share that on your social media. Share it with people. Share it with someone. Invest in your one word. Read books on it. Find books that might, you know, if, you're, if your one word is on surrender, you can find great books. If you need help with those resources, you know, email me. Let us know. We'll help you find the resources. Say, hey, Scott, here's my one word. Can you help me find a book that can really help me invest in this thought, that can really expand my thinking on this one word? And I pray that at the end of the year, I pray that people will look at you and say, man, something different about you. Something different. I don't know what's going on, but at the beginning of the year, you were not a church person at all, and now you're a church lady, you're a church man, you're involved. What happened? What's going on? You, you know, some people be like, man, I, I don't know what it is. I don't want to be rude, but, you know, earlier on this year, you weren't in good shape, but now you're in great shape. Man, something happened. What's going on? Some might be like, man, 
God, Lord, you might be like, to someone say, hey, man, I, earlier on this year, your marriage was not doing well. And now I see you and your wife, you're on dates all the time, you're, you know, there's a hot burning love going on. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happened. Something changed. Something changed. What happened to you? What's the big thing that you did? What's the big thing? And you ask these people, and you're going to tell these people, you know what? It wasn't any big thing. But with the small things. God doesn't despise small beginnings. It was the small things that no one saw that result the big things that everyone sees. You know what? God loves when you're faithful in the small things. As I close this message out, Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, we see this Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling a small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a small thing. Guess what? You're ready for the bigger things. You're ready to take on more. And I can trust you with more things, with the bigger stuff. And when people look on and wonder how your life is so different, you just say this, you know. It wasn't one big thing, but it was the small things that God put in my heart. And I stay faithful to the small stuff. So what's your word? In 2019, what's your focus? I pray that this next year, you will be focused and you will be faithful in the small things. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you that you will help us to be faithful. Even when nobody's looking, be, that you will help us to be faithful in the details, to be faithful with what you put in front of us. God, we want to be faithful with the small things so that you can trust us with even more. Help us to be faithful in the small things. And no one's looking around. No one's looking. But as we're praying this morning, I just want to ask you point blank. How many of you in this room, you will commit to seek God, your one word, this week for 2019? Will you raise your hand and say one word, one verse? I see hands all over this place. Man, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Put your hands down. God, thank you so much for a church that desires to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus, that truly wants to serve you. God, I pray that we will seek you. God, I pray that you will give us words that will stretch us. God, I pray that you will help us to direct us, to focus on the things that matters most to you. God, I pray that we will celebrate, that we will be faithful, even by faith, that we will be faithful in the small things. Because you don't despise the days of small beginnings. You rejoice to see the work begin. And so, God, I pray in all of us here today that we will look forward to 2019 with the small stuff. The small thing that you put on our hearts. Not by our strength, not by our power, but by your spirit, said the Lord. God, I pray you would speak to us. Show us how you want to focus in 2019. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's work.